This is a podcast about failure. With me, Lola Berry, author, nutritionist, and yoga teacher. Join me as we get to know these guests and learn about how their failures have ultimately shaped their dreams. Welcome to Fearlessly Failing with Lola Berry. G'day, uh, it's Lola Berry here. I just realised I sound like a right bogan. But anyway, Lola's here. This next guest is Stacey June. So from the podcast world, she's like the OG potty queen. She's also had a very successful career in radio. She opens up about being axed, her show being axed. And she actually shares this real spiritual side that I hadn't got to experience before, which I'm pumped for you guys to hear. Her next project I'm really excited to share. It's called Finding Your Intuition. So this is for Sydney listeners. It's on the 8th of December. It's a kind of like 10 to 1 event where you get to meditate, get clear on your intuition. She's going to guide you through the whole day. So if you're interested, check out her Insta page. All the details are there. And in the meantime, enjoy listening to Stacey June. Okay, I'm so excited slash nervous because when I researched this person, I know I haven't said your name yet, but you are the OG podcast queen, hmm. aren't you? Um, I was one of the first Digis and there weren't many. Um, there weren't many chicks around that space, so yeah, I wasn't listening to any other girl podcasters when I started podcasting. This is Stacey June. <laughs> if you're wondering who this is, Hello. and I have rudely kept you waiting today, which is my pet peeve in the entire world, being a Virgo. I can't I can't fathom the thought of being late. And you were just here in all your beautiful, glowing, pregnant beauty, just like, nah, it's all good, lols. Well, two things. I f- do feel that. I feel very grounded at the moment and I'm riding, so there's a really different process and lack of rush with my life, which is really nice. But the second thing is... I was such a shitful late person for such a long time that I was so bad that I don't think there'll ever be a time in my life where I will ever be able to complain about anyone being late and not even complain internally. Like there was not even a second in my mind where I was like, this is bull, you know, yeah, nothing, you did nothing. So you mentioned you were like when you look back at that time when you were late, it yeah. meant something. What did it mean? Um I mean, I think it's a bit of a combo of, oh, it's hard because you. I, I think you're very much taught that. I think you're very much yeah. taught that you um, you can kind of just wing it and, and for a while there in your 20s, um, it's kind of cute even, you know, this, oh, my God, my life, my life. And, <laughs> and I built a career in brand off of, of kind of figuring out my life yeah, in front totally. of people on the podcast in other ways. Um, so it kind of went hand in hand a bit to be a bit of a mess, to be honest. Um, but I also think there's an element of lateness that's about anxiety too. Totally. I think there's a little bit of social anxiety or just trying to have control over your parameters of when you're going to be comfortable to be somewhere. And I don't think – I think I try and get compassion particularly for people, not like yourself, but for other people that might, oh, God, I don't, are we going to meet up? Or you know, It's always mm. a bit awkward and I'm like, okay, I know that that might also come from a place of just a bit of social anxiety. So I think there's two parts there. Gee, you're good. I've never <laughs> thought about that. But then I know that I get all the signs when I know I'm running late, my heart starts racing, my palms start sweating, which are all physical signs yeah. of slight mild anxiety. Yeah. So, like, it'd be interesting to unpack, although yeah. this podcast I am interviewing you. <laughs> But I'm pumped. I am so pumped to learn more because I'm fascinated by the mind, hence why this Mm -hmm. podcast even exists, and human behaviour and very pro-therapy and having a therapist. So before we get into your story, there was something I I went down the rabbit hole of researching everything you've done Uh and I want to talk podcasts, I want to talk how it all started. But are you a NIDA graduate? I did um, a screen a Screen Actors course for a year. 
Amazing. So it was a one day a week. It wasn't a full time. Uh-huh. It wasn't the full time three year degree. Did you have um, to go into NIDA? Yeah, yeah. So every Saturday I went in and did, I studied screen acting. It's pretty cool. Yeah, it is cool, isn't it? I mean, I didn't actually finish it in the end. I did three terms and met my husband, now husband, and was on air at the time as well. So it just got to a point where I needed to prioritize a little bit. Um, and felt like I had learned, actually I'd become good friends with one of my tutors and he kind of said, look, I think you're good. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so there wasn't a certificate or graduation ceremony or anything. Um, but yeah, it was incredible actually. And I felt very, very uncomfortable really talking about that, to be honest, because I have friends that are actors and there's such this... Um, this persona with acting, and or not persona, this, as well. or this label, yeah, right? And yeah. I was just really intrigued by the craft, yeah, and um, and really wanted to kind of hone in on, yeah, just on different parts of expression and different ways to tell stories. But I, I kind of kept it to myself a little bit, to be honest. Do you know it's? I've started acting school. I know. I've, I've been seen. doing. Six months of it, but NIDA is like the holy grail. If people listening are like, "What? What do you keep saying NIDA?" It's National Institute of Dramatic Arts, mm-hmm. and you. I've done the NIDA audition twice and got rejected from the big three-year bachelor one. Yeah, the that's big a big one. Yeah, I remember I walked into the audition studio and they're like, "Be a crocodile now." <laughs> so there's a lot of that, but then screen acting is very different, which is what I do now, and mm-hmm. that feels a lot more like real life, but with cameras around. Yeah, generally. Yeah, yeah, and you find, you know, I always thought I said to a girlfriend who was an actor before I did that, I said, I love doing the kind of sketch videos that I did with the Thinker Girls for many years. I love that mm. expression, but I, I don't think I could possibly be other characters other than, you know, um, kind of blown up versions of myself. And she yeah. said, that's what acting is. Totally. She goes, different versions of yourself. And I went, oh, sh- okay, I think I could do that. So then that's when I went I went inquiring and, yeah, it was great. That's, I love that you said that because they say in acting school it's a sense of finding truthfulness within yourself and then that truthfulness within each character. Yeah. So it's almost like you're dealing with your shit without realising totally. it. Totally. Right? And if you've been through a lot like I have, I have so many tools in my oh. tool belt to be able to pull from. So it actually felt quite quite invigorating to be like, oh. watch this, I've got something on this, I've got something because most other parts of life you often feel you can get a little bit victim like, oh, it's <laughs> happening to me again, whereas in acting you're like, it's basically your this. toolbox. Yeah, so it's <laughs> really cool. That's such a positive way of looking at it as well. Yeah. <laughs> so I do want to talk like shop, I do want to talk podcast world, uh-huh. I do want to talk like life with you. But before that, when I researched you, holy mackerel, like you're doing a lot of stuff all on your own. Yeah. Like, yeah, you're writing. Mm-hmm. We're talking book here. I'm yeah, presuming. the book will be out uh, mid-2020. Yeah. Can you say what it's about? Yeah, it's um, it's a wellness book for singles, essentially uh, encouraging people to stop wishing away that time in their lives um, and just giving real practical guides to that. Because I think we're often told you need to be by yourself, you need to be comfortable alone, you need to follow your gut, you need to kind of figure out what works for you. And then we're left to figure that out ourselves with absolutely no tools or instructions of how to do that. And I think there's a there's a step missing. There's a step totally. missing from the motivational meme of follow your gut to how the fuck you actually do that. And I think, like you said, like we often, I'm 34, we waste away our time going, oh, but I'm, I'm going to go on all these Bumble dates. I want to find Mr. Right. And if I'm alone, I'm not good enough and I'm going to die an old spinster. You know what I mean? Like totally. I've had all that and I can, when you mentioned that on your website, I was like, Far out, I can relate. Yeah, and I think, I mean, I was there for five, six yeah. years. You know, I was I was in a long-term relationship and it didn't end really well. It wasn't very healthy and I, I knew I needed to learn some pretty hardcore truths and clean my slate from my family baggage and from that relationship to be able to really get the relationship I was dreaming of. I wasn't the person, like, I think in order for you to attract that person you need to be a level of that person and I wasn't her yet so I needed to go down a road of self-discovery and I did that and that's what I include in the book so um, it is a very surreal experience writing that now pregnant, mar- you know, it's bizarre because yeah. I am talking, I go into sex stories, I go into, <laughs> you know, like everything, like all of the <laughs> F-ups, like, you know, everything is included in there, but it is well rounded off with a bit of homework and ways for you to kind of then ask yourself, okay, well, how does this work for you and have you thought about that? 
And then hopefully at the end of it, you've done a lot of self-work on yourself that Mm. potentially someone walks through your door instead of you knocking on everybody else's. Totally. And there's that saying like when you're dating someone, it's a mirror of where you're at. Totally. And yeah. and I remember my therapist said after a few <laughs> few go, he's like, at, at what stage would you like to stop dating narcissists? And I was like, whoa, man. Oh God, what does that mean about me? Yeah, yeah totally. Yourself, yeah. Totally. And he had this thing he taught about the victim triangle, like you've got your victim, perpetrator, rescuer, and he's like, stop playing victim. Yeah. Like yeah. he's like, you're always in this triangle. And, and yeah. he's like, and, 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 she, and that's when I learned people often like you, broken yeah which was pretty a turning point yeah for me. And, and and people will treat you how you you demand to be treated yeah man it's crazy yeah so if you and that's not easy you know I don't think everybody dives into this self-worth pool of you know of euphoria that everyone says okay I deserve this straight off the mm. bat um it's not it's not easy but but hopefully in this book you get the tools of trying to figure out how to do that and and learn because we all had to learn it. We all had to build ourselves up, you know, and continue to do so. So, um, yeah, it is really, really important. And I also think it's important to say that the book, We've got nice little sounds. We're actually in this really I'm like trying to have your back with the sound stuff because I'm like, hello, Matt, who produces and does a podcast, a boss. Um, But I've got your back from an audio perspective. Thank you. No, we're right near an elevator, but this room is small. So it sounds good when there's not people going fast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was quite distracting. Um, What was I saying? Yeah, I think that it's really important to also know that you read a book and you get comfortable being single, you get empowered being on Mm. your own, that that doesn't mean you don't want a relationship. I think that's the other, um, I suppose, real big message that I have in this book is that you might take the book, you might try and work it and try and figure out how to be on your own, but that doesn't cancel out you wanting a family or wanting something, you know, like as soon as we get comfy being by ourselves, it's like, oh, shit, is is everyone going to think I'm this empowered woman that's too, too solo and too amazing to then let anyone in. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's like, no, have the power and be open to that. Totally. It's possible. I love it. Mm. But this is just one thing that you do. You've got your podcast, mm-hmm. which we were saying it like I was saying before, it kind of reads like a magazine because you've got different elements to the podcast. Yeah. Some is interviews, some is about single Pringle. So yeah. is that? Yeah. Single Pringle drops on a Tuesday with different lessons yeah. and stuff that I will be in this. the book. Yeah. And then Sunday is just my own personal kind of life lesson, just basically me ramping on a about something I've learned that week or an emotion I'm working through so or, you know, something that I feel compelled to share that I hope allows someone to look into their own lives and maybe help totally. somehow. And then you've got couple goals every now and then, is that right? Yeah, that's the first season's done. Um, I did that with my husband and we tracked our fertility journey. Yeah. Yeah. So. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> I, have, I feel like I've done just as much research on your husband. What a Ben, what a legend. Yeah, he's a pretty good egg. He's, Incredible. Um, yeah, he was definitely worth the wait. I actually read, reread a card I wrote to him for Valentine's Day this year mm. and I read it because it's sitting, we have both have like little meditation areas in a room in our house and he's got this little love you card that still sits there and I picked it up the other day and I said to him, if I had have understood what marriage would have entailed, I would have waited another 50 years for you because there's no way I could have done it with anyone else. Like relationships and that level of intimacy and vulnerability, I'm giving myself goosebumps, Mm. but it's so intense and it's so hard to the level of conscious relationship that Ben and I strive for and want that it, yeah, I don't know if I could do it with anyone else because he's pretty, um, he's pretty amazing. Also, it's clear that you're one, you're the real deal. You've done the work on yourself and you're probably continuing, I imagine, to do the work on yourself. Very much so because you find someone, this is the funny thing, and then you're like, Oh shit! Now yeah. I need to work out how to be this person with someone else. Totally, that's a whole other book. Totally, totally, <laughs> totally. There you go. There's the next book. What a head f! <laughs> like that. And, oh no, it won't be for a while because I'm still figuring it out. Yeah, but still, like in, I think as well, it takes away the. I think the way you say, like, not wanting girls to waste their singles. Like, mm. I think we think oh, we're going to meet Mr. Right, we're going to get the white picket fence, we're going to have the 2.5, whatever it is that, you know, and you just, that's actually not at all what happens. And no. life is shitty sometimes and, yeah, shit, really fucked up stuff happens, mm-hmm. really bad stuff happens. Mm-hmm. And if you, 
if you, you and your partner are going through that together, one, it's raw, two, like you've both got to not only have each other's back but be doing the work on yourselves yeah. to be able to process it. Like yeah. I read an article where I think you said like you and Ben process things quite differently. Yeah. And so like understanding like, couldn't tell you how many guys, guys I've dated that when they go quiet I'm like, oh, my God, they hate me, I've done something wrong, where it's like, no, no, different humans just need a process in different ways. And no matter how much you evolve in that with, you know, trying different things with different relationships, there is still an element of getting to know each other. And, you know, you need to, you know, the biggest thing I learned from the first year or two of this relationship, it's only two and a half years old, um, is that you sometimes need to trust before they've shown you. Yeah. And that's really hard. That's very hard. Like you need to put your hand out before they put their hand out to you. And I think girls often expect the guys to always have their hand out first. Mm. And I also think that if you have had trust issues or issues with, I don't know, um, men particularly Mm -hmm. from talking from my perspective, um, as a chick, you know, it it is really difficult to just completely lose any of that history and not, uh, not, uh, you know, not subconsciously assume that there's a chance something like that could happen even when you know this is different in your gut. Totally. Your mind gets in the way and, and also you're very conditioned to what you've experienced before. So that doesn't go nowhere and it comes up again, even yeah. if you meet someone amazing, you know. So, yeah, I learned big time that I had to learn how to put my hand out first mm. it, and and really I wanted to meet him in the middle. I didn't want him to just be pulling me all the time, you know. That's pretty incredible. Yeah, it was had hard. That, yeah. So hard. Vulnerable, open. Oh, oh my God. I, I think vulnerability is life's biggest work but I think I really didn't understand the level of it until I had an experience in India and um, I did a yoga nidra. Is that how I say it? Yoga yeah, nidra no, class. And yeah. I went really deep. It's kind of like I am um, for those playing at home, like a bit of a, a really deep meditation, mm-hmm. um, but it's guided. And it, it's almost like for me, it almost goes hypnosis kind of. It's really deep level. And I remember waking up and generally speaking, if I do guided classes and things, I can kind of remember or at least have some form of consciousness. I didn't when I came out of this meditation or this yoga class. And it really threw me. Like I must have totally released. Like my whole body, my pelvis, everything that you clench, your jaw, everything Mm. was dropped so far under the ground. I was so vulnerable and I just couldn't stop crying. Like it was just a really moving experience. And I went, okay, okay, I hold on. Like I'm tight. Mm. I'm in control all the time. Mm. And so I started to do that work. And I felt like I really got somewhere with it. And then I met Ben and I was like, this is a whole new level, you know? I mean, I love that you've just talked about Yoga Nidra because it's not that known known or cool or... It's a bit niche, isn't it? It's different to meditation. Yeah, it's different to meditation. It's different to yoga. It's almost like this whole body, you focus on each body part and just let go of it, but you can lose consciousness, not in a sleep way, like in a way where you're just like, oh, "Oh, my God. And that's where... It almost feels like, and not to talk too hippie and woo here, but something almost astral happens where yeah. you're like, where was I and what was going on? Yeah. But I, I love that you've had such a transformative, I'm a yogi <laughs> girl, so I love that you've, you know. Yeah, I dropped in and then I think it's also, it was quite upsetting to realise how how much I needed to do that on a day-to-day basis and, and how that was going to be a bit of work for me. So meditation is now your daily practice, right? It always has yeah. been. Yeah, it has been for a long time. I've never, um, and this isn't a, a thing to be proud of or not proud of, but I, I've always healed or tried to um, soothe my anxiety with meditation. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like my antidepressant or my version yeah, of that. Totally. Um, so it's not, a, it's not an option for me. My boyfriend also has anxiety and he will not leave the house without doing meditation mm. beforehand mm. to the point I'm not so responsive mm. and he's like, sit down, we're doing mindfulness meditation together. It's so nice to have a partner that encourages you, you to do that Yeah, though. Yeah, totally. God. And I've read an article that Ben wrote and he talks about him meditating. Yeah, yeah, well. yeah. And so there'll be times when you kind of fall off or yeah. you kind of get moody or you, you want to sleep in this day or, you know, nobody, I, or I certainly don't 
do it as kind of full on. And, and I learned that Gala Darling's this incredible YouTuber that is just all about manifestation and she talks about self-care routines and how you can get a little bit obsessive with them. And totally. I, I definitely learned from that and, and started to just relax a little bit yeah. on, in that. Um, and I would got to a place in my life where I'd felt safe enough to do so too, so mentally I was okay. Um, but then if you don't do it for a couple of days and you hear this <laughs> coming from the, the front room and there's your husband just sitting there and I'm like, wow, that looks pretty good. So you just <laughs> go over, sit next to him and then, you know, oh, just 10 amazing. minutes, you're done. It's a, there's got to be something said about, you know, meeting someone with matched hobbies and things like that because it does it it helps big time yeah totally Mm. I think that's where the the value alignment is like a non-negotiable now for me yeah I have all this time I'm like I could just let you drive this and I'm like (laughs) I want so first of all quickly the podcast world and Mm -hmm. I don't know if you remember this but before even before radio I was a guest on the yes of course I do I was this a big And you were a big guest for us back then. Really? Yeah, not that it was later, but we were very we were regional radio girls. You were like had all these cookbooks. You it know, was it was early really, days, wasn't yeah, it? It was really early days. I don't even know if there was a hundred people listening. So And I, you said yes. Well, I was shooting my smoothie book. So I, I was literally we were on sets and then, and I was like, guys, I gotta run, I gotta do this podcast. And I, they put me in a really quiet room. And I didn't know much about it. And I was probably quite ego and naive in the day. And all I had was the brief was was the Thinker Girls. Yeah. And I was like, okay, sweet. I'll just, and I knew it was like. I don't 20. even think it was called the Thinker Girls. And I think it was oh, called Thinker Girl, the podcast. Yeah, like it would we have been. Even yeah, a brand. It yeah. would have been. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. And I remember you asked me a question and I was completely like, I felt like I, I was completely gobsmacked. I had me no, personally? I don't know who asked her. <laughs> And I remember the question. It was like a sexy times question. Oh, okay. Yeah, and we had, threw them in pretty yeah. um, uh, almost aggressively at some points. And I was, I remember, I was like, "Oh my god!" <laughs> so, do you want to know what the question was? Sure. <laughs> do you orgasm better on top or underneath? Well, it's a fair question, but it is a big question. It's a fair question, but I thought I was here to talk about cookbooks right. and like nutrition and choc avocado mousse, which oh now is going to have the wrong kind of connotation. I forget but we were so full on. Like I, I, I know that's what we became renowned to be, but I do forget. I don't know. It's it does spit me out to all, think that we just met you. It was the best lesson for me though because it didn't upset me on anything like yeah. that. I was just like, wow, you've <laughs> got to be way more prepared, Lola. Because I was like, because uh, in my mind, I was like, what's my boyfriend gonna think? Like, I had all these like checkpoints that I was trying to. I don't even remember what my answer was. I know what it'd be today, but it just, um, it just, it was just such an incredible. I was like, wow, like. <laughs> a testament to you guys because you were able to like take away all my filters and all my veils yeah. so fast with like that tactic. I don't know whether it's a good thing or a bad thing, but I just that was my first when I started researching. I was like, oh my god, I've got to share my first ever. Oh wow! I, to the point last night on the phone to my boyfriend, I was like, can I say it? And he's like, yeah, man, just be real. So that was my first experience of you yeah that's so crazy it was and that was what the years were like at the beginning of that adventure we were very much I'd never met anybody that was getting off almost on an adrenaline run of having these conversations people weren't having as much as Christy was even in my own friendship groups you think that you were people would have started to assume that in my friendship group, I would have been the person to have these kinds of conversations. I wasn't. I didn't. And that's why I found it so thrilling because I was like, yeah. why aren't we? Why haven't yeah. I? And then I was. I found someone that had the same sentiment behind it. It was more intrigue and this kind of electric thing of conversations. And you've got to remember we were both in regional radio roles at the time, probably quite bored with the content we could pull out. And I certainly know that I needed to be challenged in different ways. So we used that platform as a bit of an experiment. Never in a million years did we think that the radio show we would land would be we would be off the essence of that yeah, kind of content. Totally. We were trying to we were trying to um, water it all down oh. to get a show. So we were trying to make it really commercial radio friendly. We were told there's no way this is going to be on air ever. Like not a chance, not a chance. And then we closed the door to radio. It was was me specifically because uh, Christy at the time, who was the other thinker girl, she was on air um, at quite a good at quite a good market. So like a like a high end market yeah. in terms of radio talk. And um, and I I was like, fuck this, I'm out. If we're not getting a job, I'm going to go off and look at yeah. tally. 
And the second I turned the other way, they were like, no, we want the show that you're doing. Like we want we want that naughty show. And that was Kiss FM? Yeah. So so almost when you kind of like let go of it all together was when it came to you energetically. Essentially, yeah. Yeah. And then how was like radio was like especially Kiss FM and I know that it ended pretty horribly, like the words I've seen like traumatic and brutal <laughs> as far as the, the way of axings go. Yeah. But like when it was good and when you were just like in the moment and filming skits or like doing yeah. like what were, what were like, what was the golden moment? What did you love? It was a wild ride. Yeah, it was man. pretty, I think at the end of the day, you know, to have something that was on a big, you know, sign with a name that you'd created yourself, you know, there's something about that that entrepreneurial side of me anyway that was just always so fulfilled and proud that we owned the brand, Mm -hmm. I negotiated our contracts, like everything was us, you know, everything was came from a piece of me really, Mm. you know, even before the Thinker Girls or Thinker Girl, the podcast, I had a blog called Thinker Girl. It was with, when I was with another guy and I didn't even know Christy, you know, this was really a a seed that I'd planted many, many years before. So to kind of have it evolve into all these different ways and have it come to fruition um, with a person that creatively I felt like was my perfect match, you know, it was just always a bit of a um, a mind-blown moment. Every show you had at least a moment where you were like, this is unreal, yeah. you know. And so it was, um, it was an awesome experience. I think the trauma and I guess that tough time, it's funny now that I think about it and I do, I can hear those girls like, oh, God, I just kind of cringe because I also know that this is radio and I've read so many articles of everybody else experiencing this before, but at the time it didn't matter. You know, it was our first time, it was my first mm. time being so blindsided at something like that. And now I know that it happens so regularly. I've seen it happen so many times in between the time it happened to us and now. So I kind of giggle and at the time it felt so personal. Yeah, but that's, it is. And also you put your heart into it. Yeah, like. and yeah, and we were, you know, I think there were a few little specific factors of um very misleading promises yeah. and things that I you guess were other people. Getting a, like almost promotion, right? To like yeah. A originally, we were building for about eight months. We were building a drive show yeah. um, for a year later. Yeah. And then the drive show became available much earlier than they'd anticipated. So instead of putting us in earlier than planned, they thought, "Oh no, we're not going to risk two girls. We'll put in two guys." Mm. And it was just like we'd come so far, and the two girl thing just felt like it was so not. We had a strong show. It didn't yeah. matter, you know, that we were two chicks, um, but it did. It still yeah. did. So I think it was disappointing to think that we'd built almost like a legacy and we'd kind of pioneered, um, pioneered, I guess, women uh, on air, but two women to some degree. There were other shows that had happened over the years. I'm not saying we're the only one that had done it, but in this kind of way and the content we were covering – and to think that then we ended up not getting that slot because it was too risky still and two guys got it, I think was also for me personally, I found that that was a big, it felt like a failure to me. It felt like we'd gotten so far and we'd broken the ceiling, but we totally. hadn't, you know, we couldn't get, we couldn't get any further. And that was, yeah, it was pretty heart wrenching. Understandably, first mm. of all, but also don't, I, like, and I don't want to say, but Fuck, you did good. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like you made like that's a very iconic studio where the greats have been. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I think I get it. You, you didn't get to see it come to fruition the way that you'd love to. Yeah. But it's still pretty big what you did achieve. I think it's messed up the way that you got axed. Yeah. Do you want to share that story? Well, it was funny because I'd met um, – Ben, I, I, so my my whole real on-air persona, and we were pretty um, transparent. What you see is what you get. Yeah. But essentially when you do a radio show, you have a bit of a list in the boardroom and you've got an idea of the kind of stories that are your stories and the kind of stories that are your co-host stories. Mm-hmm. The single storyline for me was very big because I was yeah. the single girl and um, and Merce was the in-relationship girl. So it was only a few months before that I'd met Ben and the storyline started to change a little bit and um, and – 
it was just it, things were changing really quickly. It was really b- a bizarre time, actually. I was incredibly loved up and and was really feeling quite confident, but also not 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 caring. But there was an element of and now I look back. It's not that I dropped the ball, but I just I just all of a sudden had different things in my life that had come up. I'd worked the radio circuit for six years on air before then and probably eight years including off-air roles. So I had busted my gut and really focused on that part of my life and career. Um, So it was actually quite refreshing to have a different focus, to be honest, and something that was so nourishing and lovely and having all this great sex and just, Mm. you know, just having different things to do than just work. So at this point we were doing, had our first fertility appointment Mm -hmm. um, and on a, a Friday in October, and um, and it was the very first time we went in because my husband had prostate cancer mm-hmm. in his 30s and we can't conceive naturally. Mm-hmm. And I said, look, I don't think we want to have kids today, but because you know all of this history about your cancer mm-hmm. and your situation, I feel like I've got some questions, so maybe we could go in and ask a few questions. Yeah. So we went in, had that appointment, and I had about 17 missed calls on my phone. And I came out and it was my manager and she said, are you sitting down? And I said, what do you mean? And I was in Bondi and it was busy and we we're trying to cross the road. And mm. I even thinking about the story, I was like, I was like, what the, f-? and you know, we just found out that that drive show had been replaced. So we were now going in to just keep our show. Yeah. And that was for us a no brainer. Like, yeah. you know, they, we were rating well and all these kinds yeah. of things. So there was no reason. We were quite, I mean, I had voiced that I was disappointed that we didn't get that show, totally. but we weren't like, we're not coming in. Like, yeah. there was no real drama. Yeah. Um, and she, we got to the car. I said, all right, yeah, yeah, let me get to the car because I can't hear you. Mm-hmm. So I called her back and she said, um, they're not renewing your contracts. And your last show was last night. You're not to come in, it's over. And I was like, what? How? We just started. Like we just got here. Like how? We were told a second ago we were the drive show. Like it just was like such a head fuck. And there's nothing. It's like, you know, you don't want to compare it. But shock is the hardest emotion to work through, Mm. I've found. Like there's all kinds of grief, there's all kinds of sadness, all kinds of happiness, all kinds of troubled emotions you go through. But shock is a really tough one. The the people that I've lost in my life and and lost – and you look, you have different feelings, but the people I've lost in my life knowing that they were going compared to the ones – that have gone through shock are just such different griefs. And yeah. so it was really, for me, the shock and that that real betrayal and, you know, and just thinking about all the board meetings and all the things that you've been told and how they were all lies. Like mm. your real sense of trust in yourself goes too. I was really shattered from that intuition point, which I talk so much about in yeah. my work now, and I, I really prided myself on being a person that followed my gut, but there were signs that I mustn't have followed or I didn't follow. And it's hard to accept that because um, because you you want to see that coming. And I really prided myself on reading the play. Yeah. And um, yeah. so, yeah, the shock was pretty full on. And to not say goodbye to your audience. That's what I was going to ask. Tough. So then you asked if you could go in and say goodbye to your audience and do one more show. Is that right? Yeah, we wanted to go in that night and we said we'll be professional and, you know, whatever. Yeah. And um, the response was that we'd be too emotional. That's messed up. <laughs> do you Would you say there's an element to radio and television? I, I say television as well because I feel like they're both a media um, that's your disposable. Yeah, one hundred percent. And it's um, and you know now now that I sit here today thinking about what my future is in that space and being back on air recently mm. in another show on another show with a guy and kind of a different network and doing all of that, you know, I'm aware that that's the case and I sign up anyway. Yes, going in yeah. this time. So I think you need to be aware of that. Um, But I wonder how you can possibly be aware until you're royally fucked over because until you feel that, then you need to make a conscious decision of whether you're prepared to go back again. And it took me a long time to think about whether I wanted to do that. And even if I am back on air one day or when I was back on air more recently, I'm a very, very different person. That's also understandable though because yeah. there's, there's being let go and being replaced 
and then there's been completely disrespected and not treated like a human being. That's true. And I think they do say that different networks have different kind of ethoses with that. Overall, the industry doesn't have a great rep for, um, you know, there's not exactly a um, union supporting radio announcers or people. The the reason why I ask this is the, uh, the whole premise of this podcast is things aren't as shiny as they look on the surface. That's right, yeah. And, you know, as much as I am about to ask you this next question that's exciting and fun, I want people to know that fuck you. It was so messed up. That's a really shitty way to be fired in yeah. any job. Yeah. Imagine if you worked anywhere and it was like, "Don't come in tomorrow. You're replaced. Yeah. See you later." Yeah. Um. It's just not the way you, a good human treats another human. No. No. And it it was really tricky for me too because I it's much more public now. My um kind of wellness arm of my life and and my work. I'm a self-care coach now. I completely mm. changed, um, not trajectories because I still am doing media stuff, yeah. but I just really became more public on that side of my on myself. But at the time, it is it was really hard for me to get my head around because I, I was practicing a lot of that wellness stuff behind the scenes mm. in my own life and then was living this really – um, kind of contradictory life in the in the space I was in um, in that job. It was just really a lot. It was very toxic in many ways. Totally. Did that trigger the anxiety stuff as well? That kind of environment. Yeah, I got adrenal fatigue when I was there. Yeah. So and, and look, some of that was the environment. Some of that was the pressure I think I put on myself and the controlling ways I had because it was my brand and my name and your baby. Yeah. So I learned a lot from that perspective. But um, yeah, there was a, it wasn't a it wasn't always a conducive environment to feel safe, let's say that much. Yeah. Um, but I think also, would I go back and do a few things differently? Yeah, for sure, from my end. I take risk. I'm very hard, not hard on myself, but I very much think that everybody plays a role. I still think if you're cheated on, there's a role you've played. You know, I, I'm a big believer in the fact of, well, what, can, what did you contribute and how can you improve from there? Oh, yeah, but also like you were just chasing a dream and mm. I mean, and you were, working your guts out in order to chase that dream and you were giving it your all, you were giving your audience your all, like you were. Yeah, we were. That's true and it's nice of you to say that because I think often we do get spoken about the questions we ask or the crazy things that we said but we did give it everything and we were critiqued and we were, we, we've just shot through in a really different way. People, celebrities would be scared to come on our show. It took Kyle Sandlin's a long time to get that kind of vibe. And not that that's what we were going for by any means, but just to have any form of, you know, bang, you know, it's hard. It's hard to infiltrate this industry. And we did it so fucking quickly. Yeah. So I am very proud of that. And and we deserved a little bit more respect for that, a bit more protection around that because we were sharing a lot. And are giving it your all. Like mm. you you were 100% giving it your all. On that note, like on a more positive note of the radio show, what was like if there was one person you interviewed, this is like a famey question, but if you interviewed one person, were you just like, oh, my God, I interviewed Pharrell and he was a freaking legend? Kate, was there anyone yeah, like that? Katy Perry is pretty amazing. Oh, yeah. Um, but I think for us and for me it was um, – it's so funny because it's been so like almost a year since I've been an us, but I still – when I talk about that time, yeah. it's still so linked to the two of us. Like it's yeah. bizarre. But for me um, – the big moments were things we did that I think often weren't the known stuff. So we did such a big investigation in in endometriosis and, you know, there was one caller that will stay in my mind forever where at the end of this segment that we did all kind of educating on women's health and the symptoms and the stuff they don't tell you, a dad called up in tears saying, his daughter has had period pain and they keep sending her away mm. for IBS, IBS. She ends up in hospital. He's like, and this has motivated me to keep going, you know, and those kinds of calls, like yeah. conversations that particularly for women's health and for chick stuff at that time, it's different now. Yeah. But at that time, they're the things that were like made me feel so much different to a Katy Perry. So yeah. it was both totally. of them are pretty cool, but yeah. it was like, yeah, it was that stuff that uh, that stays with me big well, that's, time. that's – Affecting someone's heart. Oh, my God. And it was the kind of show we wanted to do. That's the kind of show I wanted to do. And that's the kind of work I want to continue to do. A hundred percent. And I think that that does show in the work that you do do now. And I had a little bit of a stalk of runes last night, especially (laughs) it went down Insta. And the thing that I love that you've shared so openly is, and you're so beautiful and glowy and pregnant 
right now, but like your experience with miscarriage and your fertility journey and bands at like it sound and you shared it just so like fuck, I wanted it to say pregnant today. It didn't say Mm. pregnant. Like you shared it so honestly and so courageously. How, like, how the F do you, like, how did you navigate your way through that? Thank you for saying that. Um, It was, yeah, it was really hard. It was really hard. Um, I think the first thing that I made sure and have always made sure that my mental health or I and Ben were in check. So, and a lot of the things we shared would maybe be in a bit of delay so we would process the feelings, go through them ourselves behind the scenes and then I'd very naturally, being who I am, feel compelled to share to maybe have somebody feel a little bit less alone or potentially totally. um, often my motivator is sharing what I can't find. Totally. So there was so much that I wanted to share around things that I was lacking to be able to find and and so with the miscarriage, it wasn't just about sharing the miscarriage, it was the particular elements of it, you know, the the way that Ben and I actually did deal with it very differently because there were so many articles I was reading of it brought us closer together and I was like, well, no, it didn't for a second for us. It was hard. And I think a lot of people share that stuff once the ribbon is all tied and everything's sorted, you know. So yeah. then in hindsight, of, all, of course I can say now Yeah, of course it brought us closer together now, but I was, as much as I did delay a little bit of that sharing, I wanted to share as much as I could in the moment too, because that was the stuff I couldn't find. I could find everything with a, oh, now we've got a baby, so now we're going to talk about our miscarriage. I wanted to fucking talk to the people that didn't have a baby yet and that were in the trenches with me. Mm. And so I shared that stuff hoping that potentially... I was that for other people and it helped me because then people came forward and shared totally. for me. So it was definitely a um, therapeutic thing for everybody. I've seen you speak as an ambassador. Is it for Pink Elephant? Mm-hmm. And it's like one in four women, mm-hmm. miscarriage. Mm-hmm. Is it before the 12-week mark? Or yeah, early crazy? pregnancy, yeah. That's pretty full on. Like the, that's, I almost feel like speaking about something like this is how we used to speak about mental health. Five yeah. years ago, like yeah. if there's still this taboo, like there's something wrong with you or, oh, it's not going right. Like it's weird because we celebrate pregnant women so yeah. much. But this, I, I've never had a miscarriage and I've never been pregnant. And, but I can only imagine when you really want this thing and it's a celebration of love and you're both ready for this, you know, phase of your life. Um, I can only imagine that it comes with it like, a miscarriage comes with a whole hunk of grief, shame. It's so surreal because I think I often felt that before I miscarried and then once I miscarried I really understood why people don't share. Really? Yeah. It is a very different version of grief. It is you it is very unique. It is not something often you can articulate, mm-hmm. for starters. Mm-hmm. It is incredibly hard to explain to anybody and that's why often women that have miscarried can give each other a glance and that's enough because mm. you know that it's the words aren't there. Um, and the second thing is it's so personal because it was in your body. Yeah. So I once it happened to me, I went, okay, okay, God, if I'm finding this hard and I'm a broadcaster and for my life, I guess my work and my passion has been sharing and I I've, I understand why people can't do this. Like I'm, I can't do this right now, let alone in mm. anyone else, even with your family members, you know. Oh. It's just hard to put into words. It's a very, very different kind of pain. It's yeah. just, it's like a limb but not a limb with soul. Like it's just a very, very unique experience. And because we don't talk about it on the flip side, which is a bit of a double-edged sword, right, Mm. Um, it isn't – it's kind of put in this box of you either miscarried or you didn't. And it's really, you know, it's kind of bulk. It's like a Mm. bulk issue. Mm. And it's so, 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 so unique because 
even if people aren't in touch with their intuition, even if people aren't aware, I thought it was a girl or a boy or I want to name it. It doesn't have to go a particular way for you to have felt grief more than the next person. Innately, there's something that changes in a woman when they've experienced essentially a birth and a death in their body. Yeah, totally. And I don't know if, you know, if people really understand that the process of a birth and then a loss, like a death, Mm. from the same being in a very small period of time can be compared to anything else, you know. So I understand why it would be hard to articulate and I've spent a lot of time articulating it so I can put it like that, but it really is like that. It's essentially you birthing something and then losing it in a very small amount of time and somehow not only do you have to deal with that emotionally, but you also have the physical ramifications of that as well. Totally. Like let's talk about it physically for a moment, yeah. like hormone or like hormonal. And- but also the actual loss of the little embryo, you know, so it either comes out yeah. of you, you either have yeah. to go get surgery. Yeah. yeah. You know, for me we didn't have a heartbeat and I had to wait and hope that it would come out naturally, which it didn't. So then you oh. make another decision to go to get it taken out. And I said to the woman, is this the same as an abortion? And she said, yeah. And I just wanted to be clear on that yeah. just because I'm very inquisitive and I just ask lots of questions and I'm sure people don't want to hear. No. But I was just I, fascinated I, I, yeah. by that. I was like, so this is the same surgery as a termination. And she said, yeah. And I go, okay. And that's that's confronting for you too of because course. then you're like, I don't want to choose this but this baby's not leaving me and I can't continue to live Mm. like this. So there's so many other elements that then you have to make decisions on that aren't even anything to do with the emotional. And then on top of this, your pregnancy wasn't the orthodox pregnancy because of Ben's <laughs> because of Ben's past, right? Yeah. With prostate cancer. Yeah. So not everyone with prostate cancer has the same deal as him, but Ben cannot ejaculate. Mm-hmm. So um, he, we still have sex, and there's you know all of the things work with different ways. Sometimes with help, sometimes without. Mm. Um, but in the end, there's no there's no sperm mm-hmm. that's coming out of. It's not a sperm machine, so all of his sperm is frozen. Mm-hmm. So it's interesting, even when you would do fertility appointments when people would say to you, oh, well, you're going away this Christmas and, you know, you never know, like if you relax and you have a good time, it might just happen. And I'm like, well, Jill, if you're going to pack a fridge and esky and jump on a plane with us to Fiji and come and insert it up my vagina, then that's how it will work. But no, there is no other way for us, no other way. So, um, yeah, it it was interesting because when we met, he was very amazing and told me straight up about that even before we'd had sex. It was this is the conversation uh, he's in his 40s and he was, mm. you know, very, very straight up. And I think to some degree wasn't even sure if he would be able to have kids, if he'd meet someone that mm-hmm. – and it was just a no-brainer for me. I, he was the father of my kids. It would, mm. just was very innate. But the reality of what that entailed was something I don't think I could have possibly comprehended when I was like, it's fine, I love you, it's, you know, it's all good. Yeah. Um which it has become, but it was definitely a. It was yeah, it was challenging because I was in shock a bit of the time once I started to realise this is actually going to be more about my body than yeah. him, and that's really a tough pill to swallow. And also, like even in the in the lead up, like you're injecting yourself with hormones, yeah. Towards the end, I was. So we did IUI three attempts first, mm-hmm. completely natural. Mm-hmm. Being the hippie I am, I wanted to try and do everything I could to keep any kind of um, external factors or hormones being injected. Um, I tried everything. We spent a fortune. I did healers, acupuncturists, herbs, you name it, I did it uh, for two years. Mm. Um, And it's, you know, no booze, you know, you just really commit. Like Mm. it's funny, everyone's going, how are you going with the no drinking? I'm like, oh my God, I haven't really been drinking for so long before I fell pregnant Mm. because it was a real committed preconception thing because I was very passionate about trying to not, well, just hoping we wouldn't have to get to IVF. Um, So we did have a a pregnancy the very first time ever. So Mm. that was the one we miscarried. Um, and then we had a very small dose of injections on the fourth try, which is now this this little baby that sits before you. <laughs> so well, early next year. Mm, yeah, ah, January. So exciting! Yeah. Oh, Capricorn. Yes. Capricorns are great. Well, see, if I feel like all Capricorns are different. I, you know, like when you see yeah. a Cancer, you're like, oh yeah, right. I you're get what kind of person yeah, you yeah. are. When I see, when I hear about Capricorns, I feel all the people I know that are Capricorns. Are different people like they're they're not What's really your a sign? type. I'm a Cancer. 
Oh, wow. So you're going to have a water with an earth. What's Ben? He's Pisces. So two, oh my goodness, your Cancer Pisces combo. That's so <laughs> hectic, right? Yeah, yeah. So intense. Water signs Can love emotion. Can you imagine the man. conversation? Yeah, Sometimes yeah. it's like, how do we get out of this conversation emotional hole? Oh, but we're man. philosophers. You yeah, know, we yeah, go yeah, deep, yeah, man. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it's hectic at our joint. Amazing. So you're going to have bringing a little earth sign into that. Yeah, which would be nice for a grounding, that's for sure. They'll call it how they see it. Oh, wow. They'll, you've probably got your hands full of like this little like powerful earthy sign. I wonder. Which I like. Yeah, I wonder. It'll be interesting Two to water see parents. how that plays out. That's pretty beautiful. Two water parents, one earthy bubba. Mm. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Look, I love astrology and so yeah. I find my brother's Cancerian and so grounded, so strong, so clear. Yeah, right. Like uh, quite clear. Um, not not emotive though, which is where it's so nice oh, that it'll have the the water. The, your bubba's gonna have the water. Yeah. So your you brother's guys. a Capricorn. Capricorn. Say? Oh, sorry. sorry. Yeah. Capricorn. No, I right. might have missed her. Missed right. 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 Okay. So he's. Yeah. Capricorn. Okay. Yeah. It'll be. It will be interesting. Oh, mate. Yeah. And it's interesting because we're into that stuff too. So it'll be so bizarre to see what they bring into our home. You oh. know. Yeah. It's exciting. Oh, man, I could talk to you and ask you so much stuff. Like I'm like, where do I go from here? There's so much exciting stuff. I do want to – I just want to know what – because you have been through so many changes uh-huh. in the last two years, would yeah, you say, have been yeah. like you're running your own race now? Yes. Is it fair to say? Yeah, for sure. And it's exciting and you're – because I feel like I've known you for a little while. Mm-hmm. I feel like I've kind of seen the evolution of you in in a, in a sense. Yeah, right. And so now I'm excited. Like, fast forward me two years from now. What? What? How does that feel? How does that? It's so hilarious because with Thinker Girl and then later the Thinker Girls, everything was so strategic. And even yeah. though it seems like on the outside there were two gals having a yarn about life. There was a very considered business approach to that back end um, from my end. Yeah. I, I had a real strategy to get us on air and I knew coming from I, – I did radio in a very small little town called Shepparton, the ice capital of the world. I know Shepparton. Um, and it's rough but it, and it's small. So for me to go Shepparton to Sydney from a radio yeah, perspective wow. was wow. a pretty big jump. Yeah. And I'm a big law of attraction girl, so I believed and backed myself. But it was a very strategic affair. Mm. So my life has changed so dramatically in that I don't have as much strategy. I like that though because you feel so – you feel grounded to me. Yeah, I don't – I have – I have – my values are set. I know what feels right. Mm. I like creating content but not at any cost. Mm. Um, the book has been something that has been in me for a long time, so that will be nice to come to fruition and probably totally. birth the baby kind of a bit like this. But in terms of the next bit, um, I'll still continue to do media where it feels right, yeah. um, whether it's radio or tally, um, but I want to just do creative projects that then align with, I suppose, I don't know, I guess more of a whole, a wholesome kind of, um, oh, what's what am I looking for? I, I don't want to just simplify it to this, but I want to help. Like totally, I want to contribute. Yeah. I I want I want that. I want to find my groove in that. I don't think help necessarily has to mean you need to go build a school in reward. You know, sure, I, I'll put my hand up to do that if someone yeah. offers me. But <laughs> but I think often I used to think helping or charity work was the way that you give back. And now I've felt I feel much more confident giving back in the way that I know my purpose is. Yeah. So using my media and using those kinds of trainings and and skill sets and following to be able to then somehow get to a bigger audience to make people feel better about themselves and find their own point of difference. How that looks, I don't know. You know, I can see myself on stage. I can see myself doing a lot more talking, like speaking mm. engagements, because I I miss that live element that radio gives me Um, and I think I've got another book in me. Totally. um, We just brainstormed it before. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. Um, But I don't know much more than that. I want to be a mum. I want to be a good mum. I want to have a couple kids. I want to smash them out for a bit (laughs) and I know that things will be different for me in probably five or six years but for the next two I think it will be very much built on um, just kind of nourishing that family life and trying to find that new balance of creating and, and keeping that that essence of 
of who I am individually as a mm. woman, um, but also really just enjoying being a mum. Do you know what you said? And it was almost throwaway, but I loved it. You were like, I'll keep doing radio and tally stuff if it feels right. Yeah. And that's, to me, that's that means everything you do in those fields will be helping people because you'll only be doing things that are aligned with your values. Yeah, and not heart. not the there's no ambition behind it now. It's still obviously nice that you'd like to earn. They they pay pretty well from mm. a monetary perspective, and that will help. And um and there's also notoriety and ego and all those things that mm. are built into those kinds of jobs. I'm very aware of that, and those things feel good. I I do when I go mm. to a radio station. I feel like I'm going to work. I feel like I've got my job set. Like yeah. it does feel like I did my apprenticeship, and that's what I know how to do. Yeah. So it does. There's something really great about the radio studio for me. I I love it, and I feel mm. very at home, and I feel like I'm very good at it. So yeah, it just is this essence. So I'm not going to say that that doesn't have all these other things caught up in it, but it's got to fit my life now. It totally. can't just be because I want to climb somewhere. Now it's got to be okay. Does this work for me this year, and then again next year, and totally. it's just a bit of a bit by bit. Because I guess that's what being a parent. Like this is crazy to think. I even hearing myself back speaking, I was like. I get really nervous thinking about saying things like I want to be a mum, you know, and having that as the main centre. It's still nerve-wracking to think that even next year I have to put together, well, not have to, but I want to put together a maternity plan to make sure I'm at home for a yeah, period of time. I've never totally. not worked, you know. I, that's my life. Mm. Um, so it is. It's still really nerve-wracking to say for the next bit that's going to be my main priority and blah, That's also exciting though and I was at a meeting before I came here and what I love about you, which is the prerequisite for anyone that comes on this podcast, is you've just got to march to the beat of your own drum. Mm -hmm. That's the only, you don't need to be, I know I'm a nutritionist, it doesn't need to be health-based or anything, it's just got to be someone that marches to the beat of their own drum and you've just articulated that perfectly. Have I? You have because you'll take gigs if it feels right. Yes, radio feels like home, but you're focused on nourishing your family as fucking scary as that sounds. So full on. Do you know what I mean though? You're, you're still marching to the beat of your drum. Yeah, because that was what where I'm at today. Yeah. Well, I like yeah. it. <laughs> yeah. Because where you're at today. Yeah. But it's, and that's, I think, the thing that's I've really accepted too that things change and yeah. things evolve and, and, you know, I don't really want to know what I'm doing in two years like I used to. Yeah. I feel like I don't need to know as much anymore. Oh, you're empowering me. I'm a planner. Yeah. You can see I've got my notes. (laughs) Yeah, and I just feel like I want to let go of the plan a bit and just enjoy my life a bit more. And and if that stuff comes up, then it's meant to come up. I've just got a real trust now that the the right things will find me. And like you said, you're on my website. I'm busy doing bits and pieces. Mm. And sometimes you fall out of a groove because you work for yourself and you think, oh, I could have done more this week. Or, Mm. you know, when you're not working at a station or you're working Mm. in a business, you know, sure. But I think at the end of the day, when you trust yourself and you do want to put stuff out there or you do want to contribute what you're doing at the time is enough. Totally. If it's coming from that juicy place. It doesn't yeah. have to look the same as that nine to five person or the girl you were three years ago. You know, totally. it will work itself out yeah. in the wash. Like I do love that saying. Totally. Works itself out in the wash. Do you know you had three failures planned to talk about and we've just ended up talking about have we t- I did tick- have them ready. Did we tick any of them off? Um, well, I think I felt like at the time when we lost the radio show, that was a failure. Like yeah. I felt like there was a level of legacy and kind of that real um, girl power thing that we mm-hmm. had that I felt like we had fallen short of where we would have liked to have gone. Um, but then all of the places that I just explained I've landed couldn't have happened totally. still living in that strategy. Um, I'm a completely different person. You know, we, I don't even know how it would have worked to bring me to this point doing the show I was doing. Mm. I'm such a, you know, and I hope that that all took care of itself for both of us because really we're on such different trajectories and, and very different people that potentially if we had have continued doing the show, would we have not had that growth, you know, or would I not have had the growth that I've had? So... Yeah, at the time it definitely felt like it it failed and I failed myself and I'd failed my business and I failed the audience. Um, but, yeah, I don't, I don't know, I don't, I don't really have regrets. 
I love that. Do you know one thing that you've just kind of said that makes me feel like this is going to sound like a really way, weird way to talk about the Thinker Girls but yeah. almost like a really beautiful breakup where you just set someone else free to let them pursue their dreams and it allows you to pursue yours as well because it was two people. Yeah, right yeah. You know, it's, that's, it's a beautiful like setting free of one another because you are doing such completely different things now. Yeah, and I think I think as well without that sometimes you do need a bit of a crash yeah like there's codependency that goes with that yeah. you very much need you link to each other like a breakup and sometimes you need something to happen for it to go that way yeah. and i think sometimes i think oh, i wish i could have been strong enough to maybe see that in myself that you know maybe um we could have i don't know no actually i don't think anything differently i think we it just needed to happen the way it did for it to work out this way i think it's perfect ending yeah yeah so perfect yeah so um yeah it's an interesting thing i'm trying to think if i had any other failures in that no just the i think the mention of um shitty relationships and yeah. things like that i think i was going to bring up which was a failure which led me to my book and then yeah. ben and and all the content I built on my show. Yeah, so it's like totally. at the time I was like this, this, I was with a guy for eight years and I thought, oh, my God, everything, how am I ever going to build what I want? Mm. You know, it just was felt like I had spent all this time with someone and then it was just over. Um, but I, I've gained so much from that breakup and that relationship. Did it come, you spoke earlier about shock, did it come as a shock, the end of that? No, it was the opposite. It just was like long-winded, uh, took me ages to get out yeah. of. Yeah, there was nothing shocking about that. Jesus. And That's, you ended it? Yeah, I did, yeah. Oh, far out. Eight years, mate. Yeah. That's solid. Yeah. Do you not? Do you see each other or know each other now? No. Oh, so it was like, see you later. Not at the time, but now I look back, I'm so different. Yeah. So I'm yeah. like, no, I've got nothing to like, yeah. hello, yeah. Uh, what temperature is it today? Like you, I would have yeah. nothing else <laughs> to say. Like yeah. there's, I'm so, so, I'm so different to two years ago, let alone seven or eight years ago. My God, no, no, no. And look, I realised there were parts of myself, I wasn't, I didn't behave very well, but it wasn't a healthy relationship either. There's no reason for me to, um, engage in that that part of my life. It was definitely something I had to learn from and move on from fast. Totally, and mm. I'm sure that'll be in your book. But those those shitty breakups actually end up being these wonderful gifts. Well, yeah. Totally. I mean, hopefully, I make a shitload of money from it. Yeah, <laughs> I but mean, also- you don't make money from books. Are you going to tell me that, Lola? <laughs> no. If another person tells me that, fuck. All right. <laughs> no, but what I mean is the gift is like you date all these numpties or narcissists or these. You get these lessons, and then eventually, when a good one comes, you're like, ah. It's true. You know, it becomes like a gift. And well, it's like, yeah, it's true. And I was going to call the book I didn't have a bad date.com. Like, yeah. because I felt that's what the book's about essentially that every single date I learned something. Yeah. Every single date I learned more about what I wanted. And there's something that this is sneaking something off the podcast where you interviewed me. And yeah. you asked about my boyfriend and you referred to his depth. Yeah. And I could tell that it was said because that's your experience with Ben, yeah. I could feel, and then obviously really diving and researching Ben, there's this sense of depth to him, uh, yeah. which is reflected in you as well. Mm -hmm. But I feel like that that listening to your journey and trajectory, that's probably a cornerstone of your whole being, like this deep, deep connection. Yeah, and I think you don't get that without really having the fuck-ups or the yeah. failures and, yeah, yeah, and yeah. The, you know, all that kind of stuff. So it is funny. It's... um. And the same thing I say to him all the time and we have a single friend that's a bit like, oh, am I going to be single for, you know, this. And I was like, honestly, I don't even know if I would have been with Ben if I met him six months before we met. Totally. You know, like you just don't know and you don't want to rush it because you could just find yourself with in the same room as the perfect person but you've pushed it. You know, and then you've, no, you've gotten in the way. <laughs> Get out of your own way. <laughs> Did you feel anything when you first met Ben? No, it wasn't like this, um, it wasn't like it was a sense of knowing and mm. definitely a sense of intrigue and curiosity, like kind of like you can see something through a hole and you're like, what's in there? Yeah. You know, like magically too, but yeah. not butterflies and like I've met the one and, mm. you know, we we did go for an afternoon drink and then it was another one and then, you know, dinner and then mm. after, like it went on for Hours. pretty much the whole day and yeah. night. 
And at the end, but we had such a good time and I thought to myself, please kiss me because I need to know this is not just this amazing day that we've just become friends. And then he did. He did this most amazing kiss. It wasn't like him full on, but it wasn't like a friend kiss. You know, it was a very much... This is not a friend kiss. Oh, Goodbye. So you know, good. and so it was like, okay, what's what's part two? You yeah. know, what's part three? So it was more yeah. like, give me the next bit, give me the yeah. next bit. But it was very step by step because Ben's very grounded, so he gives a lot, but he's very set, and mm. so that was so attractive. Mm. He was so very calmly confident. There was no extrovert about him, but he could have a big conversation. So there was levels of intrigue, you know, we were able to build it. It wasn't this, um, yeah, this kind of fairy tale that we're sold. Totally. Yeah, it got there and, and, you know, it was pretty magical and I couldn't, and I still can't wipe the smile off my, you know, it's still that, but I think it it's not necessarily like, oh my God, you know, I got yeah. butterflies and I, I went I went home and I was like, that was awesome. And then I went to bed and got up and went to work. Yeah. And totally. I was it, looking forward to him writing a message. Yeah. But it wasn't like, you know. But I, I feel like you? that's probably the more the real deal. Like yeah. it is almost this, uh, I've read where you actually want like a cool love. Yeah. There's, there's a coolness to the love as opposed to, oh, my God, Romeo and Juliet. Like and there's this need. It's like this more, I think you said it right, knowing. Like there's this knowingness. And I think to get that you both need to be okay with it not being anything. Yeah, so this is where I would say That's you've both catch. done work on yourself as yeah. well because that takes yeah. a certain sense of self-understanding. Yeah, you like I got up and went to work because I had a job and I was happy with yeah. my job and I liked my life. It wasn't like yeah. everything was dependent on it. Trust me, six months before, probably a different story. Yeah. I was like, Ellen, is going to be here? I'm going to go overseas and try and do more work on myself. I've got to f-. like I was not this like, you know, namaste, kumbaya, in the corner, like, patiently waiting. That's why I'm writing the fucking book because I wish I didn't carry on so much. No, we've all been there though and that's why the, I'm sure the book will do so well. Thank you so much. It's been a total honour to have you on here and you are a breath of fresh air. You're, you're funny, you work hard, but I, you're really real and you're honest about your journey and I think You've had it tough in some lessons, but man, you're 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 on top. You've come out on top, and you're an inspiring human being. Oh, my friend. thank you, Lola. Straight back at you. Yeah, this is I can't so wait fun. to move closer to you at some point. Yes, so this will be. I need a love yes, date. Yes. Oh, we will do that off <laughs> off this thing. Thank you, and I love thank what you're you. doing with the show. Oh, you're amazing. I was very nervous because. You are the OG okay. podcast queen. Yeah. We're just having a yarn. <laughs> like, you know, like if you're real, there's not a whole lot of concoction. It's just hard to be real, I think. People find it hard to be real. Yeah, I, and I think for me, like I want to be so prepared that you feel comfortable just saying whatever and I'm not going to lose Well, I felt you. very led but oh, very relaxed. So all, all G. <laughs> Thanks, beautiful. Bye. <laughs> That's a wrap on another episode of Fearlessly Failing. As always, thank you to our guests. And let's continue the conversation on Instagram. I'm at Yummo Lollaberry. This potty, my word for podcast, is available on all streaming platforms. I'd love it if you could subscribe, rate and comment. And of course, spread the love. <laughs>